Are you having a hard time finding a good book to read about Twin Peaks? Did you finish binge-watching Twin Peaks in quarantine, and now you're looking for more? If so, we have the book for you. Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book. Based off the popular show from the 1990s, read about the making of each episode from over 100 cast and crew members. This book covers Season 1, Season 2, Firewalk With Me, and Season 3. But wait, there's more! This book has commentary from the community and the host from the wildly popular podcast Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Order now! Supplies are very limited. Only $25.99 plus shipping and handling. Go to bluerosemag.com today. Before we assume our respective roles in this enduring drama, just let me say that uh, when these frail shadows we inhabit now have quit the stage, we'll meet and raise a glass again together in Valhalla. Welcome to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is Brian Kazaska. And beside me via the internet is... Hi, I'm Katie. I'm Jana. Goldie. And they are There's a Podcast All Right, the new Twin Peaks podcast. And uh, before we jump into our community rewatch, I want to ask the three of you, where does the name come from? Goldie, Goldie. take it. It's from when Adele, when they go see um, Major Briggs's body in The Return... Whoever the like the top sheriff guy says, there's a body, all right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I love it. It wasn't obvious. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, is this going to be Twin Peaks all the time, or is it going to be like other sh- other stuff? I wasn't. I didn't no, know. There's, there's a podcast, um, right? Yeah, Goldie, isn't it one of the episode titles on the the Blu-ray or yes. something as well? Oh. Yes, and in the title, all right is two words. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ah. We could probably add a Twin Peaks podcast. <laughs> that works. I mean, but, that's what uh, Entertainment Weekly does, isn't it? Or they're like a Twin Peaks podcast, a Twin Peaks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when it came to naming the podcast, um, Goldie just started texting Jana and I every single title of every episode, but replacing one word with podcast, which Lies. is really brilliant. That's great. <laughs> wow. I, so you can be like, bring back memories. or Bringing back a bring pod, back podcast. <laughs> On the wings yeah. of a podcast. I don't know what that one <laughs> Laura's secret podcast. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. Um, so how did the idea yeah. for the show come about? Like, how did you guys get together and say, hey, we're going to do a Twin Peaks podcast? Katie, that's all you. Yeah, so I walked up to Janet and Goldie the first night of the the, the last ever Twin Peaks Fest and mm-hmm. listened to Goldie mm-hmm. talk for a long time about Diane and Sonny Jim and said, hey, you should do a podcast. And Janet went, yeah, and then we did one. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. That's nice. how it started. That's awesome. And so where are you guys at now? Like, I mean, you guys have been doing – you guys have a bunch of them out now. I mean, you guys have been doing it for a few months. How has this, this kind of evolved, your, your podcast? 
I mean, I guess I'll keep talking. Well, we started um, recording in August, right? Yeah. And, um, and we, we kept practicing, basically. We've got a ton of clips to come out. Um, and then start of this year, we decided together that it was going to, we were actually going to go for it and share with everybody all of our mm-hmm. conversations that we'd had about James. <laughs> <laughs> What I like about the show is it is kind of a conversation, like especially the, the early shows. I felt like you guys just like were already into it. Like you're like, okay, yeah. we're talking about uh, Josie Packard, and you're just like you're kind of like walking by, and there you guys are already in the conversation, which is kind of cool. Is that you guys like you guys don't mess around with chit chat and this and that. You're like we're we're going right into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the chit chat usually happens in the middle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And yeah, like the Twin Peaks day was my first listen to you guys, and I loved it. And um, like I was saying before we started recording that like listening to you guys just have these epiphanies about certain things and hearing your reaction live is so cool because you don't really hear that. You know, yeah. like we've been doing our show and we kind of, you know. We have like, we have points we have to make and we kind of go right into it. And here you guys are just kind of like. And it's chat. great just yeah. hearing you guys like really like surprising each other with this information <laughs> live on the mic and getting an honest reaction is so cool. That's a really, really nice way of you guys letting us know that, yes, we're very underprepared when we go into this. No! no. no. That's what we're saying. <laughs> no. So, like, a secret was Ben and me. It's like, I like to be loosey-goosey about things, but Ben likes to be like, I want to know where we're going. And I think that's why we work well together, because sometimes I will d- just – like want to go to yeah I'll rant or go to a different direction and Ben's like well we gotta stay on task. I love hearing you guys doing your own thing in that direction. I think it's I think it's awesome. Okay, I have something to say about that. So one of the things is, is that the three of us the, these are actually the first times we've ever had conversations together. Wow. About wow. these characters because mm-hmm. we became friends at the fest. Jana and I actually have known each other since high school which is actually way, you know, 25 years ago. And even in that, Jan and I never just sat there and dissected anything. No. <laughs> so the surprise no. element is genuine. That's we awesome. Really, yeah. We don't know. That's cool. That's really cool. Because it reminds me when we started ours, like I, we were doing the original series and it was my first time talking about it with Ben. Oh, you'd never seen Twin Peaks. You never saw Twin Peaks. So, wow. But now it's like, you know, we're used to, we're doing things, but hearing you guys, it's sort of like I'm reliving that. Fresh through, eyes. Fresh eyes yeah. through you guys. So it's kind of cool. Nice. So we are going to talk about episode 10, which is also can be considered season two, episode three, and episode 11, that can also be called season two, episode four. So I think, some, I think somebody wanted to talk about this whole numbering of the episodes. Please. Was that you, Goldie? Who was it that wanted to talk about the numbering? Jana. Oh, uh, I just, I don't know. I don't know why I have an issue with it, but I do. Do you have an, is an issue with the fact that I, we're going episode eight, when it's really season, I mean, season two, episode one. Yes. <laughs> I just, I just feel like it's, I was like, last night I was sending angry texts. Like, what is this fan thing? Uh, Why do you always have to make it something harder than it actually is? Right? Yeah. It's so true. Welcome to my world. And then, I mean, the, the titles are, come from uh, g- g- our German titles 
that were added to, to, to I think, the DVDs or something yes. like that. Yeah. But they were never sanctioned by David Lynch or Mark Frost. They were titles that were German titles. So I like them. And nobody I, else I don't likes like them. them. I mean, uh, yeah. so it's all confusing. But I mean, I think it was like the VHS, but I don't know where the numbering came from, but I knew the VHS complete set of season one and two were like one through 29. Mm. So it's almost like they were, they're almost like they were parts, you know, like they were yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, But it is confusing when we start getting to season two. And it like, gets very confusing. I hate about? it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, yeah, season one is only like five episodes or two episodes. Two, two mind, episodes. But I think the it is the VHS the rest of the season. <laughs> <laughs> And this one could be called The Man Behind the Glass or The Man Behind the Podcast. Yes, The Man Behind the Podcast. Oh, or The yeah. Women Behind the Podcast. That, that, that would have been, been, oh, that That's your next podcast. <laughs> well, we can do lots of spinoffs. Yes. Yeah. I always have points that I want to make, but maybe just jumping out, is there stuff that you, about episode 10 that you guys really loved about this episode? I have three points. Okay. About nice. what I really loved. But I don't want to just like list them off. I was just thinking we would... We'll get into it. it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Go for it. Yes. Really? We want to hear you. Yes. Hi, Dana. (laughs) Okay. Point number one. No, I'm just kidding. But I I do the scene with Albert talking to Truman. Goldie, it's like, I will meet you in that field. It's all about (laughs) love. (laughs) I love you, Sheriff Truman. Love will win. And it just like comes out of nowhere. Yeah. He's such an aggressive little dick, and then he just comes up <laughs> talking about love and existential dimensions. It was it's I lovely. I love it. Who is almost like gaslighting Truman? Because he was like getting him going this whole time to the point of fisticuffs. And then all of a sudden be like, no. You are the I'm, aggressor. Yeah. I am the like I'm he the was pacifist. gaslighting. I don't him. believe in uh, yeah. yeah. But he was pushing it. Like I always thought that was like, a big turn. And I mean, it's a great scene and all. And Albert, it's a great character. Just drop the mic. He's like yeah. puts his glasses on. Well, I disagree. I definitely don't think Albert was trying to push his buttons. This is Albert for real. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Albert raw. Yeah. <laughs> but that's no well, joke. Yeah, I, you can't just like you know pull that out of your ass. He's like straight up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think to Goldie's point that like we don't know Albert very well. Right. We are in Twin Peaks. He's in and out of Twin Peaks. And it takes time for him to recognize Cooper's genuine affection and trust for Truman. Mm. And it takes him that much time to like bring himself down to Truman's level with the physicality and then bring Truman back up with him. I Mm. think that's what's happening in that Mm. moment. I like that. I I like that a lot. Fair enough. Yeah. Let me put in one more thing. The reality is. That the fight is against, which we find out way later, is Jowde or Judy. And he straight up is already the in position to fight that. Like the whole core of the Blue Rose Task Force is actually what he just spews out. Fear and yeah, love. Yeah, and Katie, you're yeah. right. We don't know him yet. And this is actually like actually a really big chunk. Right there. Maybe that's why Albert never went missing. You know, all these other FBI agents went missing, but Albert had pure love, and love yeah. defeats evil. I like that. I do think that it's a misnomer to think that somebody can't be sarcastic or irritated or disgusted with the world and still practice these principles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's my yeah. wife. <laughs> 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 I love my wife. 
Oh, man. The previous episode in the script, uh, deleted scene, they actually had Pete Martell uh, beating up on Albert, like yeah, punching yeah. him. But I say that is they, they, it seemed like the writers were going in this direction. It was, oh, Albert's always getting into fights or always getting beat up. And it's some somewhere they decided, hey, wait a minute. We should turn this around and see who, who really is Albert. And I right. Think that's where yeah. We, yeah. we should get into the first deleted scene. But that is a great scene. And I like what you guys said about it because – for me, I've always liked Albert's a great character. And I think in season three, we get to know him more and he he softened up, but he still had that sarcastic bite to him, especially when he falls into the, he steps into the puddle, which was hilarious. Harley Payton wrote a lot of his dialogue and it's really good. I think Harley did a great job bringing that character to life. But yeah, I always wanted to know other thoughts because like watching Twin Peaks for the first time, like five years ago, to me, it was just like, he just turned, like, you know, obviously he's not pulling it from his ass. He he is that type of person. But it was just so funny. Harry's ready to, like, they're ready to go fisticuffs, <laughs> right. you know? And then he's just like, nope. I so, don't think he's being disrespectful. No. No. No, I don't think it's fake. That's why it's so kind of almost shocking because you're just like, what? Where yeah. did that come from? And then you see him on a whole nother. He's got this depth to him that's right. profound. Right. Albert's. Path is a strange and difficult one. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. It, that scene gives him more uh, three dimension than he already was. Yeah, yeah, totally. Interior reception waiting area, day. Albert exits past reception where Lucy Moran labors over the letters on the Scrabble board in the airing area. Cooper exits the room, finds Hawk with James Hurley, who's just up from lockup. Cooper nods to Hawk. Hawk moves off. James, you aren't going to be charged. The cocaine in your bike did not belong to you. That's what I'm trying to tell you. James, I don't want to see you down here again. Yes, sir. You're a bookhouse boy. You have an obligation to obey the law. And you have people around you to turn to when you're in trouble. That's an obligation, too. Stop trying to figure it all out by yourself. Find someone to talk to. Talk to me if you want. Go home, James. James nods and slowly exits. Cooper moves off. How's it going, Lucy? 75 words. Wait a minute. 76 words. 77. Oh, that's 78. Going good. A thumbs up and Cooper's down the corridor. Hawk wanders over to see what Lucy's up to. Agent Cooper has asked me to find as many words as I can that contain the letters B, T, and R. Let's see. I used to be pretty good at this. Was the only thing really added was that he had an obligation, like, as a bookhouse boy to yeah. uphold the law? Yeah. Right. Which I kind of liked. I always wanted more bookhouse boys. I know we get some. We get uh, Audrey getting rescued and this and that. But I, I always thought we should have more of that. because yeah. there was. So, yeah, I think that was. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that was the big thing that maybe they that cut. The Just reading it felt a little heavy-handed with the mm. bookhouse boys, but I think I feel that way about the bookhouse boys anyway. When they get into, like, the nose-touching constantly. <laughs> like, like a bunch of 12-year-old boys that came up with this idea that think it's really incognito and cool, but it's, like, really, really fucking obvious. Oh, uh, maybe that's me. <laughs> that's why we like it so much. <laughs> oh, I guess for people that we didn't even say when we were talking about the podcast it's a character by character study it's a breakdown one episode one character yeah which is great i like that a lot i do yeah. like that you you focus on it. and there there are so nobody many... else is nobody else is doing that really no, no. at all or has really <laughs> and you probably have you probably can have a hundred 200 shows just because there's so many characters right 
There's over 300 cast. Wow. I'm looking forward to Dougie Milford. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to get Mark Frost on for that one. There you go. Yeah, yeah. What were you thinking? Right. Some of the things I talk about in the community rewatch is that, like, was there any hints that Leland was the killer? In this one, he, he does throw matches, and he's t- he's talking about, uh, you know, he seems to enjoy saying, you know, you want to play with fire, little boy. Is that Bob speaking? I mean, yeah, that's Bob know? speaking. Right? Yeah, like, but we don't know it, but right. You but know? he seems to take joy. Still, he still yes. seems to enjoy saying it. When I was a kid, there was a guy that flicked matches at me, and, and he's uh, holding the pitcher under his nose, oh, which still that, drives right? me. It's like a, he's literally holding a picture of the killer under his nose, which is him. So basically, saying I'm right under your nose, and right. I feel like he gets okay. a kick out of it. Yeah. No, I do want to add that. In the same episode, there's a giant sign that says no smoking. And then they happen to have an ashtray sitting uh, there great in point. the hall. So anybody that I comes in smoking, like, uh, like like a dick comes in smoking. Match, and it could have gone out by the time it hit the floor. But no, they're like, no, let's have him perfectly aim it at this ashtray. That's like. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like. Way. When Bobby gets slapped and the the cigarette lands perfectly in the mashed potatoes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like weird. It's like, that's odd. Why would that happen? But you're right. Having the ashtray right there, no smoking. But if there was a guy, like Dick comes in who smokes, then they can say, see that ashtray? Put it out. Right, right. <laughs> I don't know. The other thing about Leland hints that maybe he was the killer, and this is, I always wanted to share this with you, Brian, but I couldn't while well, we watched it the first time, was that Jacoby is hypnotized, or I think he's, he's talking with Cooper, and... Um, He's talking about Cooper mentions engine oil, and then what is Jacoby says? He says, "I remember engine oil or something in the park." Yeah, which he's at least linking Leland to killing Jacques and uh, beating him up in the park, which right. could then lead to the, the Bob. Kip, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really hard for me to just watch it and not know that he's the killer, so I can't pick up on any cues. I'm just oh, yeah. like waiting for that one scene, you know? Right. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really, really hard having seen it all so many times for most of us, right? Like once a Twin Peaks fan, you like dive into it really hard to like Mm. unsee the performance of Leland, right? Not not Ray Wise, but just of Leland and how Mm -hmm. hard he's pushing against Bob to like keep him as best he can from breaking out. Right. Right. Yep. And there's so much of that, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I just, I just feel like I had, even just rewatching this last time, I just have a lot of sympathy for Leland. Mm-hmm. I can't help it, you know. He's yeah. this monster, but he's he he looks like someone that's just at des a desperate fringe of his humanity. I, you know, he, he can't reconcile what he's done and what's happening to him. And he's just realizing that he has this duality in him, and he doesn't know where to go with it. I can't help but see some vulnerability in him. Then, Jen, I agree with that statement because it's something about when Bob takes over, he doesn't know what he's doing, obviously. But like, there's that scene when he's actually crying, and he's really crying, and I'm like, that's the Leland. He's yeah. he's really remorseful, and he's crying because he doesn't know what's going on. And then when Bob takes over, it's completely like. There's nothing behind those eyes. It's like someone else is behind that wheel. And obviously when, you know, the jail cell scene when he dies, we actually see the real Leland. And it's like complete, like, 
devastation that he realized what is going on. So yeah, I agree. It's, I sometimes like to still think that what if he really is the bad person and it's like the devil made me do it or that he's, you know, is it the whole idea? Is it easier to say that a demon or bad person did it than thinking that a father would rape and, you know, sexually assault his daughter? I mean, it's almost yeah. easier to swallow and say, oh, he didn't really do it. It was right. an evil thing. I don't no, know. No, but we know for a fact that he didn't do it. That's what I say. <laughs> but there's a lot and of... I, I play devil's advocate and say, and is there... Yeah. What I would like to add, and I think this is really important, is that it is every abuse survivor's dream mm. of incest that they really were possessed and it wasn't them. Yeah. Mm. And that's one thing about Twin Peaks is that it's kind of like... it. And I don't know if they did this intentionally, but the whole thing is it wasn't her dad doing it. Hmm. You know, that's was the horror, the entity. darkness in the world, all those things they're talking about, the darkness in men's hearts. That's real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Real life. Then somehow in Twin Peaks, we're able to get this opportunity for this Laura Palmer who's brutalized for years. Mm. We get to actually go, if only. Mm-hmm. And we do get to see that. So I just like throwing that in because to me, it's like, it's hard to say like what people talk about or how they absorb it, but it's like it's the ultimate dream of any abuse survivor is that they were not victimized by that family family member or yeah. that friend or the or you know right whoever. So yeah. not to get uh, super yeah. heavy, uh, but no, bravo. That means bravo. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, because I don't. I. I. Part of me. Well, all of me has never. I've never felt Leland Palmer did that. It was Bob the whole time. Because right. I don't want to believe Leland Palmer would do that. If he yeah. knew what he was doing, he would stop himself. So it's like, yeah, he's struggling with uh, keeping something at bay that he doesn't know what's going on. That's how I've always perceived him as. And maybe I, I do question whether the creators, the writers, put that in there so that it was easier to have a conversation about these difficult subjects of abuse. Yeah. Yeah. ABC I and the think, I would hope, I, in my heart of hearts, I hope that that was, I don't know, yeah, I don't know the intention, but I, I hope that that was something that they had thought of, at least on some kind of level, you know, mm. like this would, this will, this is hard, this is a hard topic, but this is something that needs to be spoken about because yeah. it's happening, right. you know, I hope that that's Well, it's the most horrific thing right this is pre-special victims unit you know what i mean oh yeah it's like this wasn't oh we killed her for oil money she wasn't she was going to inherit something it was like the victim was actually like i feel like david lynch um well whatever we don't have to bring him up but i think he (laughs) really likes to tap into what the worst possible thing is Hmm. yeah and it's not a stranger floating into town randomly killing girls yeah, that's just scary. You know what I mean? That's just like a paranoia. But this is like ultimately, it's so bad. <laughs> it's, right. like, it's like the worst. Yeah, I agree. You I, know, I look at Blue, Blue Velvet, and they kind of going into like this seems like a wholesome town, and you realize it's really a dark, dark part of the town. And I, yes. I do think he likes to go deeper in and say, you know, it's not as perfect as we think. The family is not as great as we think. That there's, yeah. there's real and his artwork. He does that with his artwork too. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that's his whole mo. Pretty much, yeah. 
Modus operandi. (laughs) (laughs) Interior, diner booth, day. James enters the diner and slides into a booth where Maddie Ferguson waits. She looks different, a more attractive dress, and her hair seems softer, with more of a sheen. You look great. Cool dress. It's one of Laura's. It was just hanging there in her room. Funny, I hardly remember putting it on. It looks good on you. It looks... I don't know... right. She blushes, looks away. James getting onto the creep scale with that line. Yeah, super creep. Totally. It grossed me out. He's not cool anymore now. <laughs> I mean, I'll always have a love for James. <laughs> yeah, what happened? What happened to James isn't James's fault. I'm so glad that they cut that though, because I felt really yeah. skeevy for Maddie. Like, don't make me out. Because then in the next episode, I think she cries to Leland about how everyone just thinks she's Laura. Right. That's and true. that just totally adds to that. And it also takes away from the reaction that we get from Donna later about the sunglasses. But yeah, it, it was just kind of gross. It gross reading it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> James. And it's it's good to have Natty have her own identity. I, you don't need so many scenes with people just pretending it's Laura. We get it. There was some theories that Maddie was really going to be Laura Palmer. That's what I thought. My Maddie original was, watching, yeah, I Maddie really thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I remember feeling like Maddie came out of nowhere and I was like, what's going on? Like, why... This is silly. It's Laura Palmer with dark hair. Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing, too, is back in the day, there were people that thought Maddie, the actress that plays Maddie is a terrible actress, but they loved Laura Laura Palmer. Palmer. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So, no joke, when Ben and myself, we did a convention years ago. It's actually on one of our old podcasts. One of our panels? It was a panel in Connecticut. uh, Oh, yeah. And... Someone in the audience, I don't know if this made the audio or not, but some the audience. It, I think it did. It did. This gentleman says the actress who played Maddie was horrible. Unbelievable. They should have got Cheryl Lee. <laughs> and we're and then David Bushman, who were doing the panel, goes, That was Cheryl Lee. And he goes, I don't oh believe my you. God. <laughs> If anything, I think that shows the range of an actress that she is, that she could be so different from Laura Palmer playing Maddie. That's like some Clark Kent level. She put on glasses and she doesn't look like Shelly. Yes, yes. Oh, boy. Uh, Yeah, it was a rough crowd. Rough crowd. (laughs) (laughs) Rough isn't the word. I'm trying to be nice. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was it was kind of like wild. Yeah, it was weird. Do we have anything else we want to talk about in this episode? Um, is this the episode where they start talking about MT once? If that's the case, and maybe they, this can bridge both episodes, but two of my favorite characters are in these episodes. Go for it, yeah. Um, Louie yes. at the Great Northern, definitely employee of the month. She's the one that tells Ben Horn that oh. M.T. Wentz is coming to town. She is just so joyful. She's just so joyful. I love her so much. And she's doing the best job. I have a <laughs> big affinity for people in TV that actually do their work. <laughs> <laughs> and Louie is one of them. And I can't wait. Someday we're going to do a whole episode, Jana Goldie, just on Louie. Yeah, it's going to be great. That would be so um, cool. And then, oh, is it? <laughs> Oh, it's going to be great. We're going to talk so much about the hotel industry. <laughs> and then my other favorite character, which he might be in the next one, it's Toad. 
Oh, oh yes, yeah. toad. I was waiting for that one. I was waiting yes. for that one. This toad is the custom. He's a customer, right, uh, at the Double R. Yeah. Because there's also a toad who is the, the cook. cook. Two toads. Two toads. Yeah. I don't know how that happened, but. So there's a toad in Fire Walk with Me and Season Three. Right. Who's the same toad? And then in between, in the in the chronology of Toads. Twin Peaks, there's there's this big burly burger eating toad. Yes, <laughs> I, he, at one point he's playing chess like Pete is yes. beating. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. That's great. I'm obsessed with this character. He's really hard to peg down because he's old, then he's young, then he's old again. <laughs> or, right? Or it's a like a family name, or it's just a nickname for people who like. It could be a, a quirk of Norma's that she can't remember certain people's names, so she just calls them Toad, like other Toad. people call people Love. Oh, honey, I like that. Right? But then Hank also calls him Toad. Uh. So this actual guy was on the production team, and they just needed a stand-in for someone to move around. <laughs> but he's become such an important character. He's even in The Secret History. His last name is Baker. He's called Thad Baker. He was wow. on the football team. I know everything about him because you, you just taught us something. I, I, you know, it's been almost thirty years at Twin Peaks, and I don't think I knew all this stuff about him. That is so cool. Yeah, so he was on the football team with Hank and and Hawk and Truman. Um, but that's all we have. He, he has a book. I can't remember which one is. You know, in the in the secret history, there's that page of their bookshelf. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a book in there. Um, he was on the football team, and that's all we know. Wow. Very cool. And so but that definitely seems so like a Mark Frost character. I'm excited to see him character. on screen. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we, we had talked to Sabrina Sutherland, executive producer of season three, and she was part of season two. I forgot what her mm -hmm. role is. I think, I don't know if she was a producer or she had a, whatever. But we asked her about, like, oh, you know, there's two toads. And she didn't know anything about your the first toad. toad. She yeah. didn't know anything about that. She only knew about the New toad, toad, the okay, cook. So, um, I can also tell you something really sad about that man, um, oh. not Toad, but about the the guy who portrayed Toad. Is that during season two, he lost his child to infant mortality. Oh. So he left, and as far as I know and have been able to not find, he hasn't done anything else. I can't find anything else about him. I've had Josh Eisenstadt, super fan, do research for me. We wow. can't find anything else about him. So That's crazy, huh? So that's all. That's that's the Toad episode of There's a Podcast All Right within <laughs> the Twin Peaks. It's a preview. Wow. It's you a just, preview, You right? just gave a preview. Coming pod. soon, the Toad episode. <laughs> I'm excited yeah, for this Toad episode now. Well, it was slated from the very beginning. It was like, oh, you know, we could talk about every character. And then there's this one toad. <laughs> but we started with Josie Packard. We were like, he's going to have his day. He's going to get his day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> toad in the sun. Every toad gets his day in the sun. Yep. All right, why don't we get into episode 11, or they call it season two, episode four. <laughs> to confuse you all. Just to confuse everyone. Yeah. Laura's secret diary. It starts off with uh, Leland being in the interrogation room and the whole uh, really close-up of the tile coming out. Oh, Daddy. Yeah. Wonderful. Daddy. I have two alternate titles for this episode. Okay. Would you like to hear them? Yes. I would love to hear them. Yeah. The first one is Ugg Hank. <laughs> that should be every Hank. title. It's like, uh, uh Hank. Hank. <laughs> and the second, the second is the only woman in the office. Oh, yeah. Is that a, is is that that a Lucy, Lucy thing? 
Yes. Uh, Poor girl. Jiminy Christmas. She keeps that office together, though. If it wasn't for Lucy, everything would fall apart, I, I think. I know, but she's interrogated around every corner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God. She's like, can I just have, like, a moment to myself, please? Yeah, that's true. And, you know, 25 years later, she's like, she, she now, you know, now all she has to do is put out her hand and be like, I'm not going to be bothered. It's lunchtime. Yep, leave, me <laughs> leave me alone. Yeah, but it took her 25 years to teach them that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Men are stupid. Yeah, they yeah. take a long time Gosh. to get it. <laughs> so originally, Todd Holland, the director, wanted to say, uh, Daddy, no. So he was going to say, Daddy, no. Daddy, yeah, no. Yeah. And Mark Frost, that was clapped. That was a little too close. And so he they t- knew. He didn't tell Todd. He just said, uh, Can we not have the word no in there and just have it say, Daddy? Oh, yeah. wow. Is there anything you guys want to talk about in this episode? Like something that really jumps out to you? Uh, Dick Tremaine being a total dick. <laughs> That's hence his That's name. His. Yeah. That, yeah, this right? is the one where he says, uh, I've got money for, for losing. To take there. care of to, the, uh, yes. you know. Oh. Yeah. The future yes. Wally Brando. Yes. 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 <laughs> his son. Which I still don't think he's the dad. No, you I don't think so? Every time. <laughs> Lucy didn't seem to know who the dad was either. I mean, it became a game. To her, like, who wants me more? I was rooting for Andy because Andy's a sweetheart, I think. Yeah, we did interview Dick Tremaine there. Um, yes. I can't think of his name now, <laughs> and I can't think of his name, but Dick Tremaine, Ian Buchanan, yeah. And he he did say that I think he played with it, so he does seem to have uh, Dick's more style, style. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, you can't listen to anything Ian says because he's a total charmer, yes, is, yeah, yes. yeah, it's true. <laughs> you can't believe a word he says, he did no. just he, the way you can't believe Dick, yeah. <laughs> He charmed us, so I mean, I anything he said, I would be like, yeah, you're right. When I first saw Wally Brando, I, I'm like, that's got to be Dick's kid. Totally. No. Yeah. Totally yeah. Dick's totally. kid. Totally. Yes, totally Dick's kid. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And he was conceived in Horn's department store. Oh. No. That's right. No. <laughs> Interior, Harold Smith's apartment, day. Harold Smith carefully sets Donna's trays atop a blanket before her. He's turned his living room into an indoor picnic, silverware and plates. He's even produced a wicker basket. Donna watches, impressed. How many agoraphobics do you know who own a picnic basket? Not too many, I guess. Smith sits across from her, cross-legged with a smile. The food looks delicious. Thank you. I wanted it to be special. It is very. What am I thinking? We should have wine. Smith leaps up, energized. He steps towards a door, opens it to reveal a wine rack inside. Any requests? Don't ask me. All the boys I know drink beer. I'll select something appropriate. The Germans practically invented picnic wine. Sprechen Sie Deutsch? Parlez-vous Français? Of course. You speak a Romance language. Smith opens the wine with subtle ceremony, pours a little into a glass for Donna to sample. She looks at him, wonders. He nods, prompts. Donna takes a little sip. Wow. It's very good. Thanks. Smith smiles, pours the rest. He holds up his glass. What shall we drink to? To Laura. To Laura. In our hearts and memories. The line about asking Donna, does he? how many shut-ins does she know that have a picnic basket? Oh, yeah, they're having a... Yeah. I don't know. In the show, did they ha- were they doing a picnic? I can't even remember that. Or it wasn't as clear yeah, that on the floor. Yeah, 
no. sitting on the floor and it's all romantic and gross. Yeah, like it, it comes across like Harold's schmoozing her, commie, trying to be too romantic with her, yes. which is a direction I don't think they want to go there. I didn't well, they did. It. I guess they did. They did kiss at one point. I know, but I mean, it <laughs> was. Thing is so, yeah, I didn't. So I, I never got like. I didn't get that from Donna. I only got that from uh, Harold. Smith. I don't know. She yeah. I feel like she was like want she, she, information. Well, she, she was getting. She was trying to make uh, James jealous though. Yes, but I think she really wanted that diary. She wanted information, so she was going to do what she needed to do. But I never <laughs> felt she cared about Harold in any way emotionally. No. I think it was purely I like I really want to know what happened to my friend and I'll do what it takes. Yeah, maybe Harold Smith because he's a shut in. Any girl that talks to him, he's going to fall in love with and he, he he's lonely. It's two perspectives here. You have someone who's like, oh, this girl's showing me attention and mm. I really like her. And she's like, I don't like you, but I want my I want information. So I think there's two perspectives on the situation. But the picnic scene didn't need to happen, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Donna Madonna. <laughs> I feel like we've talked a lot, the three of us, about Harold, but not we haven't done a, a Harold episode. I don't think we're ready for that yet. But he is kind of creepy. Yeah. And I want to have sympathy for him because he is portraying a character uh, with mental illness and i want to be sympathetic to that but he's written in such a way and directed in such a way and acted in such a way that just gives me the creeps he's a yeah. narcissist he's a he's creepy he's like okay only in my terms everything the way i need it i don't care what you need you're not i'm not interested in what actually your needs are they just need to fit mine he's just a gross human i do want to say about harold i i guess i do in, in my heart, I have empathy for him, but where I start having problems with him are actually in based in some of my experiences in the fandom where people start demonizing Donna for being this malicious, conniving, mm. you know, whore who's trying to use him. And I'm like, that's where I'm just like, you know, we all make choices in life. As far as we know, he could have known Laura went before she even turned 18. Right. Definitely. I guess with Harold, it is kind of like a weird line of like, we don't know what is actually going on with him. We just have, we have all these lenses that we're looking through. We're looking through the writer's lens, the director's lens, the actor's lens at this really complicated character, but it just comes across as just really icky. And I, yeah. I can't help get around that. And I, I don't want to feel that way about any of the characters in Twin Peaks. I want to understand them, but I just can't connect with Harold and like just seeing him on screen kind of like it makes my skin just itch a little bit, you know? Mm. Hey, I think you're allowed that. Yeah. I think you're allowed that. No, yeah, but I don't want it. <laughs> but he, I mean, he At is kind of being point, seductive to younger. My hands up. My hands up. <laughs> Go, Goldie. What, Goldie. Goldie, what are you saying? Um, here's the thing. We still don't know who killed Laura. And his perfect alibi is that he's a shut in. So his creepiness also lends itself to maybe he killed her. Yep. It's true. Also. Yeah, so I'm just going to throw that in. That's something yeah. I thought uh, when yeah. I watched it the first time. I really thought that was a perfect alibi. Like, 
I can't leave the house, and he really killed her. So I really, I honestly, it led me down a path, my first viewing, that he was a potential suspect. Like Goldie said, I think that was their point. Uh, Jenna, to go on your point, you're allowed to, you know, not totally understand a character and find them to be icky. and Because he's hanging out with girls that are underage. It is weird. I mean, it really, he is kind of like a creepy character. But, I mean, you can take aspects of him and try to understand that. But the way the actor's portraying it and hanging out with underage girls and getting really friendly and get romantic with them it is gross it is gross i think that's probably then on the onus of the creators in a way and that you know if it were to be done again and done better that it would be done with purpose instead of just done by accident Mm -hmm. because it feels like he was just made creepy by accident and that's really a shame and maybe that's where my my desire for empathy for him comes from yeah yeah he could have just been created to let people down the uh, different trail about who the killer was. That was his sole purpose. Yeah. And to give the secret diary of Laura Palmer to Donna. Right. Unwillingly. And then there's another secret diary. So it's like. Did no, you... that is the secret diary. But there's another. There's only yeah. one secret diary. <laughs> there's only one secret diary. Well, you have to... The other diary is actually. Oh, the... yeah, you're right. You have the diary and the secret diary. Yeah, yeah. So many oh, things. Oh, man. So this episode has a judge that comes to town and, you know, he's going to be yeah. doing Do you guys want to talk at all about the judge? The judge is the greatest. Yeah. I forgot all about the judge. And then watching this, I was like, oh, my God. He's like a character from a like a true horror movie. But in like a really like in, in not in this in this episode, he, this person is a, he's he's actually quite evolved and interesting. But. He looks to me like a particular character from a from a like straight up horror film that was not with a little tie at the you know the little He almost looks like Angus Grimm from Phantasm. Uh-huh. <laughs> such a look. So I feel bad. like he could have a hook, like, especially because he's come in with a, like a rain jacket or something at the beginning. Like I feel like he could have a hook. And there's a like, thunderstorm happening. Yes. Yeah, so so it, I think the whole atmosphere. Also, why would of... you ask someone to hug you with your wet clothes on? <laughs> I know. I was like, really? You can't take your jacket off first before you have Lucy give you a hug? Yes. I don't know. That really stuck out in my mind. I never thought about that, but Me that either. is very rude of him. Yeah, but he, he seems to be loved by – like, they all love him, and he he seems to have, like, a connection with everybody there. And Yeah. Well, at some point that I thought was really, like, erudite, you know, he says something like, the shadows – what does he say? The shadows have to quit the stage or something. I, I wish I could – he has a little mini monologue that has something right. that's really, like, beautiful. Yes, that, that, that like, is a great – uh, monologue he has uh, when he's talking to Leland about like how they they work together but now they're going to be he's going to be up in front of him mm. instead of working together in the court of law now Leland's in the court of law right I always kind of took it as we'll get through this like yeah this and a- yeah yeah I think underlying all of this which they don't even have to verbalize it was Jean Renault that he killed he killed a total dirt bag right right you know so it's like the law isn't going to be lenient on leland i mean leland's just hanging out you know they don't have him in cuffs they don't have him i feel like it gives this really genuine sense of kind of like we would kill him too yeah i thought my Mm -hmm. daughter got Mm murdered brutally murdered by somebody i would kill him yeah yeah and then he also brings up valhalla 
Yep. The Norse, whatever. Yeah. Norse mythology. Yeah. Um, but it's all, uh, what stood up to me is like, well, we, yeah, we all take the side of Leland in that situation. But then after the fact, you're just like, well, Leland, nobody seems to care. He actually did kill someone. And it wasn't a killer. Now we know later on. But it was just like, he still took a life. And he didn't seem to really care. He just took that life. And then the whole town was just kind of like, yeah, you know, (laughs) you're a killer. It's okay. We'll get you through this. And then, which is strange in a way. I mean, it's brilliant on the writer's side of things. Because I think the whole audience feels bad for Leland. We've seen him dancing and crying and and going through all this pain for weeks. Mm -hmm. And then he he seems like he's gotten his vengeance and he's, you know. Yeah, they want us over. They want us over to take the side. It makes it harder for us to believe that he would be a killer because we're seeing him go through this. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to your point that nobody cares, because isn't it earlier on in this episode that Doc Hayward basically says what you just said? He sympathizes with Leland. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then Cooper turns to him really harshly and says, do you condone murder? Right. Like, really yeah. harshly. So I think Cooper still is holding that line steadfast. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. 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 The Blue Pine Lodge. Day. Start on the kitchen door. Someone turns the knob, kicks it open. A figure steps inside, face hidden by the absurd number of shopping bags, hat boxes, etc. that they are carrying. Another angle reveals Josie Packard behind the boxes and bags. She sets the loot down on the kitchen table. Pete Martell enters, sees her. Josie. Oh, Pete, I'm so sorry. Me too. I keep thinking about Andrew, what he would have done about the fire. Thank goodness Catherine was here to handle everything. Pete's face falls. She doesn't know. Josie sees it. Josie. What is it? Catherine died in the fire. Oh my god. We're planning a service. They haven't found the body. Pete cannot continue. Josie pulls him back into their embrace, this time to heal, or perhaps to hide her own delight at Catherine's passing. Oh, Pete. In a couple days we'll go ahead. I don't know exactly what we're... Barry. I feel so guilty shopping in Seattle. Everyone must have been wondering. Harry sure like to hear from you, I know that. Yes, I'll call him. And you got a strange message on the phone yesterday. Man talked real quiet, wouldn't give his name. Did you write it down? Didn't have to, it was... So strange I remembered it. In 1997, Hong Kong will be returned to the mainland. What the heck do you suppose that was about? I'm sure I don't know. This is the episode where Sheriff Truman gets to rip Josie's... Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. It was like a little bit blue velvety, but... Yeah. I was just like, dang. When I rewatched that, I... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I I loved your Josie uh, Packard episode that you guys did, and I I liked it because you guys really said that she she knew she did have her shit together, and she was conning everybody. And I I don't know why I didn't realize that, but right she she when she wanted to she had great English, and then all of a sudden she'd hang out with Pete and be like, oh I don't know how to say this yeah. word. And stuff. <laughs> but I don't know why after you know thirty years I never figured that out. But listening to your podcast, like yeah, you guys are right. She, she's been conning everybody. She got you. She did. She got me. She got me under the spell. She did not. (laughs) 
So this episode also has Cooper asking Harry to get one of his best bookhouse boys to help rescue Audrey. And again, it's Harry. Again, it's a boy. Yeah, right. Again, it's, it's I don't know if this is a boys thing. It's like, oh, the boys are going to hang out together. The boys are back in town. <laughs> bromance. How do you guys like the, 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 bromance. the bromance? Yeah. I mean, Love did anybody it. not think it was going to be any, like, did anyone suspect it would be anyone other than Harry that was going to show up? No, no I, I knew it was really, Harry. I didn't really think yeah. about it. Either, yeah. But yeah. It was going to be Harry. The cool thing about that whole exchange that that part is that we find out later that Harry definitely told Hawk or Hawk overheard them because mm-hmm. Hawk yes. was following them, right? Love it. Which, yeah, I was looking for Hawk like to pay to be paying attention. Like where was Hawk when they were talking about that stuff and I couldn't peg him down, but Yeah. I feel like at one time he saw them together. I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, probably off screen. Right. I mean, it's a small town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, Lucy probably told him because Lucy probably heard everything. That's true. She oh, does know everything. True. Yeah, she yeah. keeps everything together. And Hawk's the only other person in season one and two that does his job. <laughs> yes, yes. He Why wasn't he the that. sheriff? Why didn't he become the sheriff? I know. No no kidding. Interior Hayward House day. Doc Hayward sits on the sofa on the phone, refers to some notes he's taken. Ed, I just talked with the Sager Swenson Clinic in Seattle. Nadine's problems might be related to something called pheochrome cryptoma. Affects the adrenal gland. It could account for her strength and uh, erratic behavior. I'll let you know. As Doc is hanging up, Donna makes a defiant descent of the stairs, hoping her father will notice her. Takes out a cigarette and lights it. I'd like to talk to you, Donna. I gotta go. Meeting James? Writing a book? Hayward points to a chair, and Donna begrudgingly sits. You missed two days of school last week, without an excuse. I had... I was busy. Donna, we've always been able to talk. If there's something going on you'd like to share with... There's nothing going on. I have to reluctantly admit I don't believe you. And there are other things as well. Both your mother and I are concerned. I don't know. Since Laura died, everything's different. You may feel that it is, but... Dad, I'm sorry. I can't talk about this right now. I think it's very important that we talk about it. It doesn't have anything to do with you. Donna, don't shut us out of your life. I have to. I'm sorry. Donna! Donna puts her cigarette out and leaves. Doc empties the ashtray into a wastebasket. I think he knew she was troubled. I don't think you tell a kid to not smoke if you you feel like they're bonding with you or feel comfortable around you. I think they just had a tenderness towards Laura that was completely appropriate. Right. Like it just felt really natural to just, cause he wasn't a predator. True. He wasn't in love with her. He didn't have goo goo eyes, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. he was definitely Doc Hayward, like best dad ever. Yeah. yeah. You know? And this deleted scene too though, it's funny cause like the pilot, there was a, a very close connection between Doc Hayward and Donna and like, oh, yeah. you know, we got to get the bike and fill up with air. And it's interesting if this scene had had actually made it to the show. It would have been an interesting, like, relationship to see them maybe strained because Donna's going in a different direction. That's true. Just maybe that's why they left it out. Yeah. And instead, maybe they decided to focus on the mom because later on in the season we have – Mrs. Hayward with the whole uh, I'm, <laughs> Ben Horn. Uh, yeah, uh, Ben Horn stuff. Yeah. Was there anything else in this uh, episode that you guys wanted to talk about? Yes. All right. How beautiful is Ed? Oh. He's so beautiful. Singing 
the Smoky Mountain Meatball whatever song to, <laughs> to Nadine and having his hand crushed while he's singing to her. I love him so much. That is pretty good. That is that's so good. I mean, it's great to have him singing and then to have Nadine so crazy and strong. Oh, and... God, Nadine. Ed is the perfect husband, even though he doesn't necessarily love Nadine the way that a husband should love, but he cares for her so much and whether that's wrapped in the guilt or just the sense of, of commitment. But even when like he doesn't stop singing, he doesn't, she's squeezing his hand. His nostrils are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and he keeps singing perfectly. And then he doesn't say anything like she, like he must be in shock. Right. Yeah. Like all of a sudden Nadine's doing some cheers, but I just, I love him so much because he's just so sweet and so kind and so like wrapped up in making sure she's okay to his own yeah. detriment. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's what makes his character so great. I love that too. He's, he's awesome. And he's got a great singing voice. <laughs> <laughs> the Blue Pine Lodge, Night. Pete, this is my cousin, Jonathan. Pleasure to meet you, Jonathan. Thank you, Mr. Pete. Josie has told me so much about you. So you've come over to visit us from Hong Kong? Yes, Hong Kong. Josie tells me you run the best little fish market in town. Oh, I don't know. Very competitive. I'm afraid Cousin is in need of some good old American how-now. <laughs> That's a no-how. All you need, John, is a good contact here can air cargo you some king salmon fresh daily. Run those other rascals right out of business. Jonathan laughs, smiles shyly, toes the carpet. Pete, could Cousin have some Joe? After his long flight, it will help him reset his biographical clock. Biological. Cup of Joe, coming right up. Pete returns with some coffee. Here we go, fresh pot. Help yourself to cream and sugar. Thank you, Mr. Pete. And I can promise you, it hasn't been anywhere near a fish. A blank look from Jonathan. Pete and Josie smile. Private joke. That there was no fish anywhere near the percolator for the coffee. <laughs> it, it, does everybody agree? I really feel like it's Josie who made that, must have done that. Like, I really feel like she didn't know what she was doing and she put the fish. Like, who? how did that fish get in the percolator? Yeah. She's cleaning it. Catherine could have done it. <laughs> what, Catherine? Catherine. <laughs> Make, make yeah. Josie look bad, and she would. I can totally see her. Ooh. Just like, Plunk. Ah, uh, I love it because I never sure. thought of that. Yeah, but you're. Really? I you never know. thought of Catherine. I ever. thought I thought Josie did it out of like just like maybe she was cleaning it. She didn't know what the percolator was. And Brian, the other no, thought. No, Josie. Josie has her shit together. Josie knows what she's doing. Actually, I, I like that. Yeah. So, Brian, the other thing is if she has her shit together, she's done a lot of bad things. They're going to interview her. Yeah. And how to throw her off, throw them off would be that they sip the coffee and now they're kind of like, yeah. You know, and, Ka and then Catherine does that to really mess with them. And I, I think that's brilliant. Yeah. I just think she did it to mess with Pete. Note that in the script of that scene, Jonathan sounds demure and shy he like looks at his toes and gets all uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. I wonder why they betrayed him that way. I don't know because he doesn't come across that way in episode episodes at all. No. You know? Right. I wonder if they would have been leaning towards jo Josie controlling him. Maybe she had more. But like, he, more he power. could be playing. He has to play it cool in front of others. I don't know. I don't know. 
Like maybe he's doing a Josie trick where he's like, I don't know. Right. <laughs> How do you say? Yeah, because he's like part of the mafia and all yeah, that stuff. <laughs> the mafia. Or whatever. The Hong Kong mafia. Whatever he's part no, of. No, it's true. It's uh, true. I'm just true. laughing because it's absurd. Oh man! Right? I mean, I thought he was—he's all in it with this. Andrew and stuff. Yeah. Oh, not Andrew. What's the he other He works guy? for Ecker. Ecker. Oh, right. Okay. I tell you, that's the most complicated storyline, and I don't think I completely understand it. And if you try to figure it out, you're like, why? None of this had to happen. <laughs> we had to get Joey there to have the affair with Andrew, and then destroy everything. The secret, the secret history does break it down. I think that's all coming from Mark's brain. Yeah. I think that's pure frost, right? Yeah. Because it doesn't come across in the show because I don't think David cared. Right. No. <laughs> Sounds right. Yeah. And I think the first season... Most people was, didn't care. I thought the whole Ben Horn, Josie, and thing and Catherine thing worked in the first season. I thought that was really interesting. The Cat and mouse sort of thing. And, yeah, yeah. But I don't know if it worked as well. In the it got too convoluted, too soap opera-ish. We wanted more Cooper and less of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm alive and, you know... I'm alive! I'm, I yeah. killed your... You know, Andrew. yeah, it's a very, oh, I can't no. even figure it out. Yes. Yeah. Is there anything else in this episode we want to talk about? I mean, it ends with Hank and Jonathan. I mean, Jonathan comes to the double R and, and Hank Just tries to cuffs. fight. Yeah. I like that, yeah, that Hank gets beat up. That's yeah. great. Um, we get, um, what's his name? Uh, Tamagura-san, Tamaguchi-san, oh, I can't remember. Oh, right. Uh, the, the Catherine's the character that she's playing. Yeah. No, the... Something you'll never <laughs> see. One, uh, one thing about Twin Peaks Unwrapped, we are the worst at names, and like we almost don't ever say names anymore. I don't even want to say that name. I'll get in trouble. <laughs> we like, Kajimura. I got it. Oh, there yeah. you go. But Kajimura. you cannot do that. Obviously, this is something like this you cannot do today. Even back then, this was kind of like, yeah. you're like, I can't even believe they got away with it. No, I know. I didn't know it was Catherine. No. I mean, I don't think I, I knew. had no clue no. who that was. I was just like so grossed out because I was like, okay, like initially, and I do remember this thinking, is this as good of a disguise for whoever this is supposed to right. be? Like, was this the best they could do? I know. Like, you could practically see the jowls dripping off. Yes. The and then like the yeah. really horrible accent. <laughs> oh God. Kind of like the sumo hairdo thing. Like uh. what like costume I don't know if they had themselves laughing. Like where they were like, oh classic primetime drama yeah. character who's in disguise. <laughs> or if it was just like I don't know. And I was really worried too that they were trying to like disguise someone to be Asian. And, and, I mean, really and they were, yeah. And but but meaning they couldn't just get an Asian character, right? I hear you. I thought the same thing too. Like you, like you're really going there during the show. So behind the scenes, you know, the cast had no idea that was uh, the actress in disguise. Yeah, really. The, they played it off. At that least just, for a few, for maybe for a couple episodes, they basically introduced yeah. them, the cast, as the character, so yeah. they didn't know it was her in disguise. No. Yes. Um, oh my God. Richard Beamer. Richard Beamer had no idea. He's like, he, I think no. he, I think he, he thought something know. was weird. I yeah. think he thought like, who is this strange character? But he, he told, yeah, he told us that like they. I don't believe. Yes, that. they introduced. They thought Catherine had really died then. No, they thought she was off the show, and they were bringing a new character in, and that was this Asian character. But they didn't so know. Okay, 
with Richard Beamer, like he's like checking out all the little like, like girly oh, little in the yellow bathing suits. And uh. He's in or Catherine in disguise is like staring him down, and he comes over all uncomfortable, like like he didn't know that that was her. From from what we, know, what we know, we know the story yeah. is they didn't know until the day she was gonna. Um, I mean, I think they definitely knew that somebody's gonna get up and it's not a real person. But like, they didn't we, know who was. As the audience also didn't know that she wasn't dead, right? Like we didn't know. know. Right. right. Like nobody knew that Catherine was still potentially alive. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. It's true. Okay. Okay. Just checking because I was like, I don't remember thinking she was alive at all. No, mm-hmm. I think so much time had gone by that we forgot all about her. Uh, yeah, that's killed in the fire of the mill there. Yeah. <clears throat> it's interesting they got away with that. Yeah, it was such a weird thing to do. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I just read um, Charlotte Stewart's biography. Yeah. And she suspects that David Lynch named Catherine Catherine because he liked the way Jack Nance would say Said, Catherine. Yeah. Like for Catherine. 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 Oh, I, so, I, I, I buy that. I, I buy that. that. He was friends with both Jack Nance and, and Catherine Colson. So right. I think that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. That's I like great. that. Well, this is cool. I mean, I think this was really fun to have you on the show. And, and you yeah. guys brought a lot of cool facts yeah, that I didn't know about. Yeah. Like, Toad. I learned a lot more about Toad. We need more Toad. <laughs> we need more research. Where is he now? Uh, so how can how can people actually follow you and, and, and check out your podcast and you know follow you on social media? We're on all of the social things that are relevant to people in our age bracket. So Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There's a Pod AR. Pretty simple. Um, where There's a Podcast, all right, in all the streaming things. So we're like stitcher apple podcast itunes radio there's a podcast all right dot buzzsprout is it every thursday that you the 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 podcast drops so right now it's every other thursday and we are going to have a couple of little breaks where we're just going to have some um like clip shows thrown in there nice Um, nice but yeah, look every other Thursday or just subscribe. It'll pop up. It'll be a lovely surprise. That works. Yeah, that's and awesome. And really, if I haven't found you on Twitter, I would be. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, all I do all day is I, I do a Twitter search for like Twin Peaks and then I just follow every single person I can find. That's what we do. Like, that's what I do. That's what we know, do too. Because I want, I want to actually, you know. So um, hopefully we found you. Yeah, 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 totally. Hopefully I think, we found you first. So. <laughs> you probably did. Yeah. I mean, I like the idea of growing the community and connecting with other people that enjoy Twin Peaks, too. That's right. What it's all about. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it is well, a fresh way. I do believe that with our podcast, it's it's a way to get reinvigorated, you know, with the, the character episodes versus like recaps or like we're doing you're saying it's like you guys you guys keep your recap stuff we're gonna go into the new stuff here i I get it like you know i feel like conversations are being had i love it yeah we haven't heard it's true just i mean we talk about things we haven't heard before yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. i think that's why it's so great i do i love it i think it's really cool i recommend everybody check it out yeah there's a podcast you guys are awesome Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, you guys are. Oh, what? Um, there's a podcast, all right. When I first saw that name, 
for some reason, my mind went to like when you say a topic and someone would say, "Oh, there's a podcast, all right." Yeah, that's what I, I, I think. That's where my mind. That's went where to. my mind. Went. That's why I was like, "Okay, maybe we're gonna do Twin Peaks, and then it's gonna be another subject that's gonna up, be lost yeah. or something." Because there's a podcast, it's all, all right. right. Yeah. Well, I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay. that's what I. That's what I. But thought. now that I know the reference, it makes sense. Yes. Okay, yes. It's even better with it's the cool. reference. Now right. we know the reference, and we love uh, it. It's so awesome. Thank you so much. There's a podcast, all right.